Welcome to River Fellowship Podcast. At River Fellowship, we strive to experience God, exalt Christ, embrace community, and engage the world. This week, Lead Pastor Daryl Anderson continues this new series titled Stories with part two. What do you do when God allows you to experience pain, tragedy, suffering, or loss? In this message, you will be encouraged to do what Job did. If you'd like to learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, go to rfamarillo.org. Hey, last week, we began a four-week series entitled Stories, and we're just telling stories. We're telling stories from those in Scripture, and we're also telling stories from some of our River Fellowship members, and hopefully, these stories will uh, inspire you. Uh, They will encourage you. Maybe they will convict you or challenge you, but we hope that they bring some hope and some healing. It reminds us that we're all in this together. We all have a story. Our stories are different. My story may be very different from your story, but God wants to use everyone's story to glorify himself and to bless others. Last week, we started with a sermon entitled Running, and the main truth of that was running away from God never takes you to a good place. It always takes you to a place that you don't want to be. So regardless of what is going on in your life, it's much better to run to God than it is to run away from God. This morning, I want to talk about the topic of faithful. Let me invite you to take a look at Job chapter 1. I don't know if you ever did this when I was younger and started reading that. I thought his name was Job. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you did that, but I think a lot of us know at least part of Job's story, and so we want to look at that in the context this morning of faithful. So Job chapter 1, verse 1, in the land of Oz, there was a wizard. I'm just being sure you guys are paying attention. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. And this man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. What a great description. What a great introduction. I wish that someone, if they were going to introduce me, they could say, here's Daryl. He is blameless and upright. He fears God and he shuns evil. What a great description that is of somebody. This word blameless, it can mean flawless or perfect, but I think in this context, it means innocent. It means to have high integrity. didn't mean that Job was perfect and never made a mistake. It means he's innocent. He has this high integrity. Upright means morally straight as to being immoral. Again, an innocence and an integrity. So really what he's noting here is that Job has done nothing to deserve or warrant or create what's about to happen to him. It says he fears God, he worships him, he, he reveres God and he shuns evil, which literally means he, he runs away, he flees away from evil. So he's a man walking with God, he's a man worshiping God, he's a man who's pursuing holiness and godliness. In other words, Job is the epitome of someone who is following God who is worshiping God, and who is faithful to God. Verse 2, he had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, and he had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people in the East. Job's faithfulness had created God's blessing on his life, and he was enjoying and experiencing God's blessing. Verse 3, 
Verse four, his sons used to take turns holding feasts in their homes and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would send and have them purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. In other words, Job was a great dad. He was a great father. He loved his kids. He wanted his children to honor God as well. And so he was constantly intervening on behalf of his children. He was constantly interceding on behalf of his children. So his children would grow up and love God as well. So we're talking about, in the man of Job, we're talking about a man who is a great man. He's a good man. He's a godly man. He's a holy man. He's walking with God. He's worshiping God. He's pursuing God. He's faithful to God. And then verse six happens. Verse six is interesting. It's some kind of weird encounter, a weird event, a presentation of the angels. I don't really understand exactly what's taking place here. It doesn't really tell us, doesn't really explain or define that, but there's some type of presentation taking place. But the point for this morning is Satan shows up and he comes to this presentation. And so God and Satan have a dialogue. And God points out Job and says, hey, look at Job. He is blameless and upright. He fears God. He shuns evil. And so he's promoting Job's uprightness. And Satan says, yeah, but it's because you're protecting him. You put this hedge around him so nobody can get to him. No harm can get to him. So Satan says, hey, if you remove that hedge and let me at him, I guarantee you he will curse God. He will curse you. So God says, okay, let's see. So he, in essence, removes that hedge. So what happens? Verse 13 says, one day, and what a day this is going to be. A messenger comes. He tells Job that the Sabians attack. They take all his donkeys, kill all of his, uh, take all of his oxen, and kill all the servants that were watching them. Verse 16 jumps in. While that messenger speaking, another messenger comes, interrupts, and says a fire fell from the sky and killed, um, and killed your sheep and servants. Verse 17, while he was speaking, another messenger comes in, interrupts. The Chaldeans raided, taking all the camels. They killed all the servants. While he's still talking, verse 18, a mighty wind, a tornado, if you will, came sweeping through and killed all of your children. So in one day, Job loses everything and everyone that is important to him except for his wife. Everything's gone one single day. What did Satan say in verse 11? He said, strike everything he has and he will curse you. So what did Job do? <laughs> Look in verse 20. At this, at what had just happened at this, it says that Job got up he tore his robe and he shaved his head. He mourned. He grieved. <laughs> he wept. He ached. He hurt. But then he fell to the ground in worship. What a response. When everything dear to him is gone in an instance, all ten of his children dead. After he grieves that loss, he worships God. 
What kind of response, what kind of man is he? Verse 22, in all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. He didn't blame God. He stayed faithful to God. We see in chapter two, where God, once again, even after that one day says, here's Job, he's still blameless and upright. He still fears God and shuns evil. He stayed faithful to God. Well, after that, maybe this isn't in the word, but I can just wonder if after that period of time, Job maybe thinks, okay, that's, that was a bad day, but the storm's over. That storm's over. It's done. But what does it say in chapter two, verse one? On another day. It's kind of like some of the storms we have. It comes sweeping through and we get all the rain and hail and it's over in 10 or 15 or 30 minutes. We think, okay, it's over. Another couple hours, here comes the next wave. Here's what we see here, but it's life issues. Chapter two, verse one, on another day. Here comes round two, another conversation with all the angels, another dialogue between Satan and God. And so now God says, hey, look at Job. He's still blameless. But now Satan says, yeah, but you wouldn't let me touch him. Let me attack him and let's see what happens. So God says, okay, you can do that, but you can't take his life, but you can touch his body. So it says there in verses 7, that he comes down with all these painful sores everywhere, every part of his body. It says from the soles of his feet to the top of his head, these painful sores that he tries to get off and get some type of relief. His wife, it's so bad, his wife just starts coming against him now and says, hey, you just need to curse God and die. Then his friends pile on as well and say, hey, Job, you are sinning. You're doing something wrong. God's bringing all this on you because you're doing something wrong. And so now he has all this guilt and condemnation being thrown on him from his friends. So what in the world is going on? Well, we see in Job's story, is he's a man walking faithfully with God and then all of a sudden, bang, the floor drops out and the walls cave in. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever experienced the story of Job? Maybe not the specifics, but the same concept where it seems like You love God. You're following Christ. You're serving the Lord. You're trying to be faithful. You're not sinning. You're not rebelling. You're not making bad decisions. You're not making mistakes. You're not doing anything to warrant stuff to happen. You're walking with God, and then all of a sudden, boom, it seems like the hedge is removed, and you have that day. What do you do when it seems like God has removed a hedge? What do you do when God seems to be allowing that heartache that pain, that tragedy, that loss, that difficulty. Well, if you listen to some people, you'll curse God. If you listen to others, you'll blame God. If you listen to others still, you will be convinced that you're guilty and you're sinning, and so now you're going to walk around with a ton of condemnation and guilt. If you listen to still others, you're going to run away from God And you're just going to bail out on your faith and say, this isn't worth it. But if you do what Job did, you will fall down in worship. There's two great verses here that tell us what our reaction needs to be when we have these kinds of days and these kind of storms. Chapter 1, verse 20 says that he fell down to the ground in worship. 
Chapter 2, verse 10 says, In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. He continued to be faithful. He continued to hold on to his God and his faith in God. I'm sure all of you have either seen movies or TV shows or maybe you've even seen it on YouTube or some type of reality TV or something where uh, these, these people are out maybe in the open somewhere, open field or whatever, and a, and a big tornado's approaching. And so they're worried about, okay, how are we going to protect ourselves from this tornado? It's coming and we don't have cover, so we've got to find some way that we can hold on and survive in this big tornado. Well, some of the movies and shows that I've seen, what some of them would do is, uh, on one particular one, they all took off their belts, they wrapped their arm with belts, and they wrapped it around this big um, pipe that's cemented, just happened to be right there in the middle of the field, you know, just happened to be a post right there. Anyway, they'd wrap up that post, and so they're able to, to, to hold that, so when the tornado comes blowing through, they're hanging on to that, and of course, now they're horizontal in the air like this, hanging on to their, rope, but they're, to their belt, but they're hanging on. Another one I've seen is they'll go down to a drainage ditch or a, a little well that they found, or there's a hole, or there's a little cave, something that they could seek refuge in, so that when the storm comes through, they're not swept away in the midst of the storm. They're able to, to hunker down. That's the image of what we're talking about here, about hanging on to our faith in God, because that's who God is. When the one day comes, when the another day comes, when these types of life storms come our way, what we need to do is allow God to be that secure, immovable object that we wrap our arms around and we hang on to in the midst of the storm so it doesn't take us away. He is that refuge that we can go into, that we can crawl into, that he covers us with himself that will allow that storm to come through and will stay strong in the midst of the storm. Here's one truth from today that I want you to catch. Worshiping in the midst of the storm is what enables you to weather the storm. Worshiping in the midst of your storms, that's what helps you weather the storm. And it will not sweep you away when it comes. Because rest assured, it will come if it hasn't already. There's an age-old question of why did God allow this for Job? Why did God allow Satan to do that with Job? I don't think I have a very good answer. But there's a more personal question we ask ourselves a lot, and that is, why is God allowing this in my life? Okay, it's one thing to be with Job, but now it's me. God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? Well, there's a lot of answers that I think are true answers. He may be a time of testing. He may be trying to grow you and to refine you. It may be an opportunity that he's going to use that you can do ministry to someone else. It may be an opportunity where you're going to gain insight into who God is. And I think all of that's true. But really, when, when I'm in the midst of life storms, when I've even gone through some of life storms, really what comes up in my mind is I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know why God allows some of these things. I don't know why he allowed it in Job's life. I don't know why he allows those kinds of things in our lives and the children of his life, of his children. When you go through scripture, though, you can see a lot of promises that God offers and God gives us. But there are two things 
God never promised us. One, he never promised us a pain-free, suffering-free, storm-free life. In fact, he said just the opposite. In this life, you will have trouble. You will have persecution. You will have tribulation. You will have trials. You will have suffering. You will have testing. It's part of the deal. And number two, he never promised to answer all of our questions. I think I've shared this story before. I'm going to share it again because I know we have new people. Um, my first semester in college, uh, I was a math major. And I learned in that first semester, I had no business being a math major. Because <laughs> that first class, it was so high, I couldn't even grab up and jump what was going on. It is funny, though. I made an A in that class. Had no idea what, I had no idea what I'd learned. Had no idea what was going on. But in math, as we all know, there are basic principles. Two plus two is four. Three times three is nine. Four is greater than two. There are principles. But also in math, there are these enormous, unbelievably difficult equations that will arise and come forward. In my first clear class, I saw some of those. So it's easy for us to say, hey, here's a math problem I've never done, I've never seen, I have no idea how to solve this problem, but what I can't do is say, okay, because this problem is so difficult, two plus two no longer equals four, three times three no longer equals nine, four is no longer greater than two. That sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? No, to solve that equation, you're going to use the principles of two plus two is four, et cetera, that's what's going to help you and enable you to solve the equation. There are spiritual truths. God is love. God is good. God is all-powerful. God will never leave us or forsake us, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But there are times when we face situations in our lives and storms in our lives and these Job-like events that we see these deals, we've never seen them before, or they're so difficult, they seem so looming and so large. It's a tendency sometimes for us to say, because this is happening to me, the spiritual truths must not be true. Because this is going on in my life, God must not be loved. God must not be faithful. God must not be good. Because if he were, this would not be happening to me. But the reality is, the only way we're going to get through this situation is to hang on to the truths that God is love, God is good, God is powerful, God is with me, God is faithful, and it's hanging on to those truths that are going to bring us in to victory and blessing. Let's fast forward to the end of the story here. Chapter 42, verse 10. After all that happened... Verse 10 says, the Lord made Job prosperous again, gave him twice as much as he had. Verse 12, the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. Verse 16, he lived a long and blessed life. God did an amazing work in and for Job. God was faithful. I want you to hang on to this story for just a moment. And while you do, I want you to hear and watch another story of some River Fellowship members, Mark and Pam Hotman. If you are listening to this podcast from our Facebook link or our website, please look below and you will find the video attached. You know, I don't understand why God allows what he allows at times, but 
I do know from God's Word, from God's Spirit, from my own personal experience and walk, that God always redeems what He allows. He's always faithful that God is able to turn burdens into blessings. Isaiah 61.3 is true. God can turn ashes into a crown of beauty. He can turn mourning into gladness, and He can turn despair into praise if we will worship Him in the midst of the storm. The second truth to leave you with this morning is much like the first one, but that is when tragedy comes, when you have these kinds of days that you've not created, God in His providence and His wisdom and His allowance has allowed to enter. Remain faithful to Him because He is faithful and He will be faithful to you. And in His time, He will demonstrate His faithfulness to you. So this morning, I don't know where you are. I don't know if you've gone through these storms. I don't know if you're right in the midst of these storms today. I don't know if some storms are awaiting you in the near future. But I can tell you, if you'll worship Him in the midst of it, you'll weather the storm. If you'll stay faithful to Him, you will experience His faithfulness. And He will demonstrate His faithfulness to you. You bow your heads in prayer for a moment. We're going to finish our service with just singing and worshiping through music. But I want to give the Spirit just a moment to minister to your heart. Again, our stories are different. Your story may be similar to something like this. It may not. But if you're going through the Job syndrome today, just know that God is in the midst of the storm with you. He will be faithful to you. And He's going to bless you on the other side. Father, I pray that your spirit would just continue to speak, continue to minister to our hearts. Father, whatever you need to speak into us, whatever you need to do for us in these next few moments, Father, I just pray that our hearts and our spirits would be open and responsive that you never leave us or forsake us and that you're going to walk through the storm with us. Receive our worship and our prayer this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas or to hear more messages, go to rfamarillo.org. Thanks. Have a great week.